today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Tech Talk brought to you by Vacuuman and Adam Oldfield, the president and CEO of FPM and FPM3 Marketing and Vacuuman is with us once again. Hope you have a good week, Adam. I did. You know what? It's been an exciting week, Bill. I mean, for all the right reasons uh, that, uh, you know, positive news, you know, it always seems like we hear so much negative. Let me I, just could, I could use some positive news. Bring it on. Let me, let me throw it at you here, Bill. So I've been very excited. It's been a lot of work in progress. But as you know, we've been doing this show for a while. Uh, and as uh, the agency president of FPM3, um, I'm excited to announce we actually opened up our Vancouver office. We now have FPM3 West operational. We're now literally running coast to coast. So uh, I'm very excited about that. We got a, a whole crew hired on and things have been sort of developing. And it's all because of obviously everyone's moving into the online digital yeah. world and otherwise. And just as a side note, as you know, Vacuum Man proudly sponsors our Tech Talk segment. I just want to be very clear uh, with whatever happens in the province, because I hear in the news constantly about what may come down. Uh, we are still deemed an essential service, folks. And if you are still needing or considering to have your ducks or furnace cleaned, please do consider us. Uh, we are going to be still active, even if there is a lockdown. So just want to make that announcement, Bill. And by the way, that only makes sense. I mean, you know, it's, it's getting cold out there. And if your furnace, you know, goes down on you or if you, yeah, and let's face it, duck cleaning is a health and safety issue as much as anything else. So I can understand the designation. So you're not going anywhere. No, we're not. And I always like to be clear because there's always so much confusion when or if the province makes announcements of, is that still, is it? And so I just want to be clear that we're, we're still an essential service and still operating and follow, following all the safety rules uh, required. All right, let's, let's talk about everything is about the pandemic, I guess, these days anyway. Uh, and there's been a, a lot of concern raised over the last little while about misinformation, and that means social media platforms to a large extent. Uh, what's Facebook doing about it? Well, you know what? <laughs> what, is, what is Facebook doing? That is always a million-dollar question. This week, Facebook's new thing is that it's trying to obscure and make you aware of any misinformation pertaining to the COVID-19, particularly when it comes to the vaccine. There's so much information that's floating out there on the Internet uh, in all forms, uh, correct or non-correct, and one of the things Facebook is doing, of course, they come up with this after the election bill, is that in the case that information is incorrect or people are putting false details about uh, uh, whether it's the vaccine or elements about what people are commenting on, it actually will now won't stop you from posting because the whole terms and conditions of Facebook is you're entitled to post as you wish, what you wish, how, within certain guidelines. However, should you or if you say, go visit this website because uh, something about the COVID vaccine will give you superpowers, it will now take you to a specific webpage that says the information you were going to is no longer effect or, uh, uh, acceptable or is truth. Here is proper education links. So what it will do is actually take you to a predetermined and proper link from the CDC or information that is more accurate. So that way you're not feeling misled. So Facebook will let you read the misinformation, kind of like the tabloid news, but then we're going to send you to the proper area to get the, uh, to get the updated information. Yeah, if you want to follow up on that. I mean, you know, I guess it's a choice to make. If you kind of like what the misinformation says and you're of that mind, too. I mean, that's what happens these days on social media, isn't it? 
That is exactly. And I think Facebook's been and boy, they're really trying to up their game on how are we helping the social network? Remember, they're self-governed and uh, the government hasn't got too detailed right now with what Facebook does or how it operates. So they're really doing a lot of look what we're doing, uh, Mr. Senate in the government. And by the way, and they're going to be doing this in Canada as well because of the pressure for these companies uh, to make sure they're doing what's best for the people online. And and this is, I think, Facebook's attempt to make uh, good on where there's a lot of questions of how they're circulating misinformation. A few weeks ago here on Tech Talk, you uh, talked about a class action suit against Microsoft, uh, which they have lost. Uh, and the, you said there's a whole pile of money that's available there. Now, what's, what's the latest on that? Well, I can, I can begin to tell you right now, Bill, I got my face in there and I started listing all the things I bought between 1998 and the year 2010. And I'm going to say that again. If you bought a Microsoft product between 1998 and 2010, you are eligible to get up to $250 back and you don't even need to produce a, a, a receipt. Now, to be clear, you have to disclose and, and, and agree that you are truthful and, and so forth. Um, but the real interesting side is there was a class action lawsuit. It was launched years ago. Uh, and what happened was it was brought up that Microsoft, using Internet Explorer in their devices, was limiting and, and held a monopoly within an environment that you weren't able to use other software platforms, such as uh, Netscape which does not exist anymore, but to those young listeners, it used to be a browser that was quite popular and also the, the software that was called Lotus Notes. Again, to all the young guys, that was the software that you had that you could use as an office platform and also Corel Office, all these systems were available. Well, Microsoft more or less suffocated the market because with the operating system, you had to use it. Well, here it is, uh, how many years later, and now, yes, you can get your cut of that, of that chunk of money. Now, if you are a business or an education, um, you can get up to even more than $250, but you're going to have to produce, uh, produce uh, receipts to get that money back. And it's really easy, Bill. All you got to do is you can literally Google Canadian uh, Microsoft uh, lawsuit. It will come up as one of the top domains and you can enter your information. And if you bought any Microsoft product, guess what? You'll be able to get up to $250, no receipt required. There you go. We uh, always talk about the hack of the week and sadly there's more than one every week. Uh, but this is uh, this is the granddaddy of all of them, uh, the SolarWinds hack. Uh, and we're finding out more and more about this every day. It's our, our cyber security expert, David Shipley, was telling us in the last hour at him, he says, this is this is akin on, in the cyber world. This is like an oil spill because uh, it's just spread all over the place. There's so many different government agencies, and we don't even know the magnitude of it. But this uh, this is huge. Uh, and, boy, somebody's got to, somebody, as they say, somebody's got some explaining to do. That's <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this is, uh, this is a great example of where when we talk about, you know, I'm for, I say, I hate to say this, but Bill, we've been doing hack of the week is more of a, guess what hack of the week is in a, in more of a fun way. And it's not fun at all. It's actually extremely serious. Um, and the reason is, is that it, it definitely, uh, identifies the limits of why we need to make sure we are so careful with our password and our securities. Um, you know, the solar winds, as you heard earlier, I wanted to go don't go too much into the depth of it. The one comment I wanted to bring up was the fact that the Canadian side of things uh, doesn't look like it was so it was impacted too much. Um, but 
that's yet to be determined. And, of course, uh, this is ongoing. Every week it seems to be amplifying. We saw that about three weeks ago when I uh, commented about FireEye, and that was one of the platforms that was uh, protecting a lot of government environments um, that was more or less a security feature. So with that said, the the moral of the whole solar winds, uh, I don't know if that's solar wind gate or whatever we want to reference it as, uh, it's a it's a wake-up call that really does institute the fact that government bodies and systems really got to step up their quickness for uh, upgrading security, being aware of it, and why it's such a big impact of how it could uh, offset or create chaos in, in the market from a government operation standpoint. I've, I've known you for how many years now? And I mean, you were one of the early guys that when it comes to, hey, you know, this, this computer thing's going to say, ah, come on, forget about it. Uh, but as long as I've known you, you've been preaching about changing passwords and about using strong passwords. Uh, one of the reports I, I saw the other day about this, and this is an, an FBI investigation into SolarWinds, the password into the system was SolarWinds123. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not, I mean, really? Yeah. You know what, Bill? I, I, I also got wind of that, and I, had, I, I chuckled, but I thought it was a joke. I actually thought it was one of those comical points where somebody just set it up as a temporary password is what I understood, and then they were supposed to change it when they, when they got in, and they just left it because it was just easier to keep it that way. Yeah, well, easier for the Russians, too. And and that and that password probably took all of thirty seconds for any algorithm to determine. Uh, as we, I think I mentioned in the past, of how many digits it takes to kind of unlock. And I've done that on my on my social media. I mean, that was about thirty. I'm sure the Russians were like, "This is too easy." Seriously, Vlad, did you? Are you kidding me? I mean, somebody must have been sitting there going, "Come on, this isn't real. You're making this up." I mean, nobody would use this password. It was almost like spaceballs with the password on the suitcase. Of one, two, three, four. I mean, it's it's it is what it is, and this is the reality. Change your passwords, folks. I'm going to keep saying it. It doesn't matter. This will be an ongoing thing until Tech Talk ends. Change oh, your password. It's insane. You know, how did you get in? Get in? They left the door open for heaven's sake. They just walked in. It's insane. Anyway, <laughs> more more to come on that. I'm sure in the weeks ahead. Uh, what's going on with Google? Well, if anyone had a Google account earlier this week, <clears throat> uh, Adam Oldfield, FPM3, Vacuum Man, yes, you were offline. And it was weird because uh, Google was offline uh, in North America and around the world. Um, so there's two areas of this, Bill. So first off, if you've noticed this week, and you, if you haven't already heard, it wasn't you. Uh, Google servers were offline um, to the degree that a lot of Google Home devices and Internet of Things um, were not turning on lights they weren't functioning in any capacity and I think one famous journalist even said I'm sitting in the darkness with my toddler contemplating what what I need to do different and uh, this is an example of where we can't and uh, we I shouldn't say can't we are not fully capable in our environment or day in living and otherwise that we can have a smart home completely operational without the fear of it going offline. So what happened when, when it did go off, YouTube was offline, Gmail was offline, uh, everywhere, businesses, people were not able to get their email or watch their favorite video. But why? The reason was is that it was an authentication server, the one that actually checks your password, uh, gives you permissions. Uh, that server, which is, uh, think of it as a, a separate device 
that cross checks to make sure no one's hacking you, um, that whole server network went offline. Now, they haven't indicated clearly if it was uh, why, if it was a power outage, if it was a, uh, an infiltration, a security issue. It was just the authentication servers that give you the pat when you go and use your password or authenticate it, that server was offline. So uh, it's again, it, it's two points to this. Number one, um, we got to remember, we can't always depend on the internet to be on, um, especially from the previous conversation we just had with solar winds, the fact that government bodies and internet systems and infrastructure are, you know, capable of being infiltrated. It could be a pact of that. And sometimes it's just good to put an old light bulb in that has no technology and you just flip the switch on and off, uh, on and off it comes. So, don't go all smart home just yet, folks. I, I know a lot of people still are bothered by this emergency alert system that we get on our phones, uh, you know, if there's an orange alert, amber alert and things of this nature. And, and there was always this concern about, boy, how do they reach? How, you know, that's a pretty extensive network for them to be able to tap into all of these. Uh, and there was a, an incident, kind of a scary incident, I guess, where a, a hacker showed, you, you know how easy it is for me to get control of all this? I mean, this was yeah, a, this was a, this was a good hacker, but and he did it to make a point. But it's uh, it's kind of scary. It is, and thank goodness he was on the good guy side. Um, that's right, Bill. And uh, what he did was he exploited across the USA, uh, and just to identify how open and accessible the cell phone text messaging. And I think I brought this up previous: is that if you're text messaging someone, it is not protected there is uh it has so much capability of being hacked and this was what happened in the usa he managed to overtake uh multiple cell phone towers and in the entire network meaning he took over verizon he took over uh, t-mobile uh, at&t the top three he was able to and showed that within a matter of a minute he could have sent a message across every cell phone in the United States um, to say something maybe that was not true. He could have caused almost world panic across USA, saying missiles are being launched, take a piece of action. Whatever he could have said, um, it could have really caused a problem. The point was, he also commented, was the same, t the same systems are in Canada. And in fact, it's even easier to overtake the uh, emergency amber alert system in canada so uh this is again we talk about what are government agencies doing are we protecting ourselves and being uh cognizant of what's out there and what they could do better this is a pure point of that bill and it's extremely scary and thank goodness he did bring it uh forefront that this is uh very easy for someone to come in i can only imagine that if another country wanted to create national panic they have all the access to do that yeah, that's a, it's a little frightening, and you have to wonder about security in situations like that. I mean, you know, mistakes can happen. What was it, two, three years ago, they got that alert, I guess it was in the uh, the South Pacific, that there was going to be a missile attack from North Korea, and it hit it hit everybody's phone. I mean, they, you know, it, it, it can happen. But this guy did it on purpose just to say, uh, if I can do it, the bad guys can do it too. That's right, yeah, and this is the part which is where that was fortunately, or sorry, unfortunately done internally by mistake, not knowing or hit the wrong wording or whatever it was. Spell check can be crazy that way. But at the end of the day, somebody could really create some serious issues, uh, definitely with this case. So anyway, I hope in our government CRTC is looking at that going, hey, is anyone checking that cell tower security yet? Um, because Vlad's already figured out solar wind, so uh, yeah. we better like get on top of that. 
All right, you got governments uh, on both sides of the border now talking about investing in electric cars, and I know immediately Tesla comes to mind for an awful lot of people, although, uh, let's face it, Lexus is doing this right now, Ford, Chevy, I mean, they're all getting into this, but there's another uh, company that's uh, come up with an innovative idea. Yeah, this one is really, really cool because the biggest question people talk about when you get an electric car is how far will it go? Uh, I was just talking to a business associate of mine and he's looking at the Tesla, but he travels at least 800 kilometers a day. And I tried to tell him, I'm like, where are you? It goes up to 400 if you got the extended one. Well, anyway, there's a new vehicle coming out and it's already uh, sold out, actually, Bill. It's called Aptera. It is a, it actually looks really weird. It looks like something from like the 60s. Remember when you, it's like a three-wheeled like bug, uh, like a really weird three-wheeler kind of car, almost like a motorcycle on wheels. What, except what, what, that what, it's, shape, what shape is it? It looks like a bullet. It almost looks like a, a oh, okay. A, like, like a bullet almost, but it reminds me of one of those uh, Mr. Bean when he was driving a three-wheel car and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it tipped over every time he turned or went around a corner or something. So anyway, it's a very, um, I'm going to say, it, it's an ugly-looking uh, car. It looks like a bullet, uh, but what's neat is it's got solar panels all over it, and what that means is that it can get up to 1,600 kilometers. It has a range of 1,600 kilometers. Now, that's, of course, uh, with enough sunlight in our day, and we're talking about eight hours, uh, well, maybe not in the wintertime, but in most uh, environments, eight hours will be able to give it enough uh, juice uh, to allow it to be able to get up to 1,600 kilometers. You don't got to plug it in. Our lovely son's going to power that bad girl. And let me tell you why, because one of the things Elon Musk also announced this past week is that all these electric cars now coming on the market are requiring a lot of minerals um, to charge it. So we're still requiring nuclear power, coal power, and we got a mine to pull out the lithium and all of the product to create the electric cars. So this is such an innovation that if it was solar and it was able to get that kind of mileage, of course, it is only a two-seater. This is revolutionary to truly become a, a, a climate change, carbon-removing uh, solution for the future versus what you know Lexus and all the other guys are doing on the market right now. Uh, this is Tech Talk. We do this every Friday, 11.35, brought to you by Vacuuman. And uh, uh, except next Friday and the Friday after that, because uh, next Friday at this time, Adam will be opening all the gifts that Michelle got him under the Christmas tree. And uh, the Friday after that, he'll be saying, why did I drink so much the night before? So uh, this is our last show for the year. <laughs> Uh, and I just, on, on behalf of the the millions and millions of listeners that, that enjoy the show every week, it's, it's it's been a great year. It's been a crappy year, but I mean, with on Tech Talk, it's been a lot of fun as always, Adam. So uh, from our house to yours, to you and Michelle and the family, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you in 2021. Thank you, Bill. Same to you, and happy anniversary to my wife. We got married. Oh on Christmas, yeah, you got so married on Christmas Day. Yeah, That's there you right. go. We're going to be celebrating. So thank you so much. Uh, have a safe and happy holiday, Bill. You too, Adam Oldfield from Tech Talk. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.